You are the God of the redeemed. You are a redeeming God in all of your ways. We thank you, Lord, that you do not take away life, but instead you devise ways so the banished person might not remain estranged from you. We thank you, God, that you are same one Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. That you did not come to call the righteous, but you came to call sinners to you. We just thank you that you are the God who honors the humble heart. We honor you, Jesus, the humblest of hearts and the most exalted of all. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Good, isn't it? Thank you, Van. Good to have Becky back. I think she was back last week, but I wasn't. So good to have you back there and everyone leading us out in worship. Good morning, community of faith. It's great to see you this morning. I'm so honored to be here and to be with you. And uh, I just wanted to say this uh, with the students or the graduates is that uh, we're proud of you. You know, um, not everyone in this place, our, our intention as a church is not that everyone uh, even would have to have a college degree to be here, that we would be from all walks of life. And that's fine because we all stand at level ground and cross, right? But it is encouraging to me that God is going to use uh, what uh, He's empowered you to do uh, and, and getting this degree to open doors for you to welcome people into the, king, uh, the kingdom and the kingdom. And the Lord of Lords. And so we're really uh, encouraged that it's just, I'm just constantly amazed to God all the wonderful places that he, people are, are getting um, uh, uh, getting a taste of and the presence of the Holy Spirit and they're going out everywhere, uh, taking the presence of God um, everywhere they go. And we love you and we praise you. And I want to remind you and remind everyone in this room that um, the the most clear uh, plaque that ever is on your wall. This is a spiritual plaque. It may not be on there right now. But the most most um, uh, important plaque you'll ever have on your wall. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it is upon your walls, the walls of your home. And it says, Son of God, Daughter of God, Chosen One of God. You are. Every one of us, we have that. But I'm also thankful for those degrees. So let's hear it once again for those students that have... <laughs> said it a thousand times, but many of you graduated magna cum laude, and many of you graduated summa cum laude from your institutions. I graduated thank the laude. And I'm glad to be here today. is about pastors that have to have those kind of jokes. Well, hey, again, I'm so glad that you're here today, and uh, uh, had a wonderful time last night rejoicing in the wedding of um, Phil and Leslie Masterson. They're married, they're on their uh, honeymoon, and they are great, and I'm looking forward to what God has today. Um, I'm Jeff Bianchi here, and I am lead pastor at Community of Faith. I just returned from a trip to Texas. Texas is actually in a very nice place right now in April. It's, uh, it's like Boston in the summer. It was nice and uh, cool in the mornings and warm during the day, but 
we took our daughter, Liv, six months old, to uh, go visit her uh, grandparents for the first time, to meet them, and that was wonderful. And we also had a wonderful time of vacation, the beautiful ranch that Ron and Lori Goode's family have uh, out of Palo Pinto, Texas. Anybody been out to Palo Pinto? That's, uh, no, I don't think so, about 400 people. But we had a wonderful time together with friends and family there. On the night before we came back, we were gone for a couple of weeks. Uh, I was playing for my sons, and Jude was, Jake was laying this way, my three-year-old, and Jude this way on the floor. We had some pallets out. I was, praying, I was talking to Jake and uh, Jude. I said, hey, guys, get ready. Tomorrow we're going back. You know, we're going. We're getting on the airplane. And Jake said, are we going back to the homeland? <laughs> and I said, uh, I laughed and said, yes, we are. So uh, anyway, it's good to be back in the homeland. That's what Jake considers it. All three of our children were born in, uh, oh my goodness, Brigham and Women's. Uh, and uh, they are Bostonians to the core. Um, they're going to make fun of my accent someday. But we're in between series today. Uh, we were last week and this week is an in-between place. We came off of uh, the Jesus Way um, series where we looked at uh, the farewell discourses from John chapter 13 through 17, Jesus speaking uh, and sharing at the end of his life what was most valuable and important to him. Not that we would just know his acts or see the wonderful things that he does, but know his heart and why he does what he does. Last week, Mark, I heard it was wonderful as Mark shared about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And did you guys enjoy uh, celebrating Easter together? I'm sorry I had to miss it uh, this year with you, but I didn't miss it. I was with you in the Spirit of the Lord. And next week, we're going to start a new series called Rebuilding the Wall. And it's out of the, the book of Nehemiah. And uh, we'll be looking at least the first five to six chapters. We're about nailed down on it. But uh, that will be uh, an exciting thing. But today, we're going to discuss something foundational to our faith that I think comes really well off of Easter and off of the Easter message, and it is, we're going to talk about baptism, or as some of you joke around that have watched Nacho Libre, right, baptism, or whatever you call it there. Anyway, um, I didn't get the laugh, I thought it was going to be funny. All right. Don't watch Anyway, in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 6, and verses 1 and 2, it says this, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So you see here, uh, baptism is spoken of in the book of Hebrews, a New Testament epistle, uh, a New Testament letter to the church. It's spoken of as an elementary teaching. So uh, uh, what is more elementary after understanding the resurrection of Jesus Christ but uh, about the elementary teaching of baptism? We're going to talk about that. There are two kinds of baptisms uh, Specifically, two main kinds of baptisms. We can talk about some other um, baptisms, but uh, which is water baptism and baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe in both of those here at Community uh, of Faith. But uh, today, we're going to really focus in on water baptism. Are you with me? Yes. And talk about that a little bit. Okay. Uh, we're going to look at several scriptures today, uh, and we're going to get a proper understanding of baptism. Hopefully, answer some questions. Many of you might have had about that subject. So, any of you ever had questions about baptism? 
out there at all? Anybody? Okay. okay. Well, we'll be answering some today. Um, we'll look at uh, Matthew chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20. And I want to read that first and explain to you the first, first thing I want to say. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Baptism, first thing we want to know, it's a command of the Lord. It's a command of Jesus. When he commanded his disciples to baptize, he was making it very clear that this was a desire of his. Now this particular passage, when Jesus is standing here, is following, 40 days following the resurrection. Jesus, after he was raised from the dead, as we celebrated last week at Easter, and as I celebrate every day of my life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, after he was raised from the dead, he appeared to his disciples. First he appeared to Mary. And he spoke to Mary, and then he reinstated Peter, who had denied him three times. Don't you just love Jesus? First thing he does, he comes up from the grave and he says, where can I show mercy? Where can I be kind? Where can I be loving? Where can I reinstate? He reinstates Peter. Uh, and he, he appears to his disciples throughout. And for 40 days, it says, he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. They were very convincing. One of uh, those proofs that he gave was uh, by the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee, uh, has a couple other names, Lake Gennesaret, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Jesus was standing there, and he challenged his disciples to throw out uh, and uh, throw out to catch fish. Peter had gone out with the disciples, and Jesus ate a piece of boiled fish in their presence. That was a convincing proof that he was alive. He wasn't a ghost. He wasn't a spirit, but he was alive. And just figuring out what's going on with that. Sorry. <laughs> all right. Praise God. Thank you all for handling that. I mean, helping. But anyway, he was convinced. Uh, he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. How convincing is that proof that he's not just merely a ghost? He is alive. He's alive. He's eating food in front of them. A ghost does not eat food. Jesus ate food. He gave many more convincing proofs. But anyway, Jesus over 40 days gave those proofs. And now he's standing on a mountain. And he's with his disciples. And this is the last thing he says to them. This is what he says before he ascends to the right hand of his Father in glory. He says, go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I command you, and I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he spoke as our Savior. But Jesus also spoke as our Lord. And that's a point that I want to make as we talk about baptism today. He commanded the disciples to go and make disciples, not converts, not casual observers, as we spoke several months ago in our parable series, but devoted followers. He told them to make those disciples. And being, uh, being a disciple, he wanted them to walk in obedience to his commands. What is a disciple? It's one who knows Jesus as Savior, 
and they know him as Lord. Say those words to me. Savior and Lord. Jesus is our Savior. No other way about it that we can be saved. Not any works that we can do of our own. We will dive into that a little bit more. But Jesus is also our Lord. And that means he is what he says goes. I want to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, baptism is not a suggestion. Jesus wasn't just making, you know, hey guys, here's a few good ideas. You might want to try a few of these out. No, Jesus was making a command. He said, he didn't say, if you feel like it, guys, you might want to get baptized sometime. If you feel like it, go and make disciples. If it seems like a good idea to you, if you can understand why I would be telling you that. Uh, one reason, I believe, that we as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ lack freedom in our lives is because we take God's commands as suggestions. We take them as suggestions. Jesus says, surrender all. And we say, that's a good thought. I'll think about that, you know. But we're still holding on to whatever it is we might have. Jesus says, if anyone would follow me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. This was before Jesus died. The cross was an instrument of death. It was a spiritual death, dying to ourselves. Not hating ourselves, but dying to ourselves. You know, we oftentimes have taken God's commands and we've made them suggestions and therefore we've had a spiritual poverty in our lives. To be a true disciple of Jesus means what he says goes bottom line. If you want to follow Jesus, what he says goes. And you know what? What he says is the very best thing for you and me, whether you can understand it or not. Uh, in training our children, yesterday I went to a nice birthday party with friends, children, child. And uh, I was at the birthday party and I find myself at the end, I don't know if any parents have ever found this, I find myself at the end of the birthday party in the bathroom with both of my boys. Not going to the bathroom, but having a session of training. <laughs> you know, I had made a command and they had turned it into a suggestion, right? I had said, boys, you know, we kind of get an idea. Do you want to leave now or in two minutes, right? Always. Two minutes. And then, uh, and then we, we said, wait, well, the two minutes had passed, right? You want to leave now in two minutes? They had. Uh, Chosen to treat what I said as a suggestion. So I went into the bathroom with them and we had a little time of straightening some things out there. But anyway, afterwards, uh, I was talking to them and I was explaining to my boys that when I tell them to do something, it's not an option. It doesn't matter if they appreciate the reason why I'm doing it. And boy, uh, my boys are just like me. Okay, right in there with you. They can give me the best reason, but, 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 dad. But dad, uh, but, but, you know, he got to play with this and I didn't, and then this, and this, and, uh. <laughs> and I, I explained to them, your only option, guys, and, and I'm not perfect at it, and I'm growing in this, your only option is to obey me. If you do not obey me, it will not go well with you. Initially here for the time period. It is not going to go well. It is the more difficult way for you boys if you do not obey. It's more difficult. It's going to be difficult for me and But my question for us in this is the fact that baptism is a command. And I want you to just think broadly in your life about whatever commands to 
that the Lord Jesus has made scripturally to you or that you have in reading he's brought up to your life specifically. Should we as people made by God, whose every breath comes from him, should we treat his commands as suggestions like we do so many times? Do we need to demand of him that we have the full reason for why he's telling us to do what he's telling us? Lord, I will if you explain to me why. We have no right to do that. He is our father. I, uh, the scripture clearly says, um, and Jesus clearly says, that um, the we being evil discipline our children's children for their good. Uh, God disciplines us very much for our best and for our good. God knows better than we do. This is a lordship issue, and I just want to sit here for a minute on this and talk with us about this. I think that many times in our lives, in my life as well, we, we, uh, we lack the abundance of life at moments because we lack the obedience of life in God. We lack abundance because we failed in obedience. You see, God's promised abundance. To those who will surrender everything to Jesus, guess what? They get everything. They get everything more. But the first thing God says is, you surrender first, and then I will fill you with my own Right? It's like the old uh, movie Mr. Mom from years and years ago. Uh, and uh, the father is, ends up, his wife gets a job, and he stays at home and takes care of the kids. And it's cr- so crazy that someone throws a, uh, a grilled cheese, you know, a kid throws grilled cheese near the iron. He just irons grilled cheese, and, you know, reheat it. He's just freaking out, you know, this reality uh, of, of having to take care of the kids. But one of the things that happens is that the father had something really good to give his child, but his child had this thing called a whoopee. A whoopee. It was a blanket. It was a nasty blanket. If you've had kids, you have nasty blankets. They've been chewed on. They smell strange at times. They look strange, and uh, they are strange. But anyway, this child had a whoopee, and he had something good for his child, but he, he, the child, he was asking to give it up. They were clinging to that like it was their very life. And only in the getting out of that which they deemed it as the most wonderful thing in the world. This snotted on, piece of trash, with duct tape around it, staple, whatever it is. This thing is my life. I'm used to it. It's comfortable for me. And the father is saying, I've got something better to do. But you got to let it out first. How many times in our lives when Jesus says, give? Surrender to me. Obey me. You say, but this life that I'm living, yes, it's it's snotty. <laughs> it's it's stable. It's a mess. But I know it and I'm comfortable with it. But he says, so the true issue here with, with baptism being a command or is that he's not making suggestions. Jesus did not come to you. He did not come to me to suggest. He came to you and he came to me to set us free. Through saying, if any man or woman would follow me, they must give up their lives. They must lay aside everything that they could hold dear. They must literally, the things that are grasping their heart, they must have those 
out of their heart, so to speak, in the spirit, and surrender to me. And I am the Lord, Jesus says, and I know what is best to give back to you. I can guarantee you this. The life of surrender to Jesus as our Lord is the most full, complete life that you'll ever have. But you can't have it without surrender. You can't have it without obedience. And what that means sometimes is, is you have to walk through that fear to get to the faith. That's what causes me to wonder people kneeling down around here. If you never kneel, you have probably never dealt with the issue of Lord. I don't think, I mean, yes, you could have not kneeled and dealt with the issue of Lordship and kneeled with the Spirit. Or, I'm fine with that. But if you do not understand the concept of getting down before God and saying, God, I need you. I need you. I want this so bad. But I surrender to you because you know what's best, Jesus. And if you want to give it back to me, you can give it back to me. And if you want to take it, you can take it. But what I have to have, Jesus, is you. I'm following you and you alone in my life. So many areas of things that control the finances in my life, the control of, of um, I was, a, I actually at one point in my life, I was a clothing buff, you know? I was buff and I, you know, wore clothes. Probably neither of those now, but I remember one time silly. I mean, right after I got out of school, and somehow I, I just had this death grip on clothes, you know. And uh, I looked pretty good, did I? Susan knows what's And I just. I just got before my closet and I said, it's yours, God, I give it all up. You know, weeping, you know, I, I was weeping, pulling back. It was a death, it was a surrender because I was grasping. And now, uh, I, I'm, I'm no longer afraid and I'm provided for. I may not be, you know, the skinny jeans style buff of the world, but I'm happy and I'm content and I feel okay. And that's the key, is that if we don't let go and surrender, it begins to dominate us. It begins to take our lives. It begins to steal from us. Because in John chapter 10, verse 10, the same Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, who only desires good for us, says, the thief, Satan, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you may have life, life in all of its fullness. Let go. What is it today that you're grasping hold of? Is it your reputation? Is it your future, whether you're going to get married or not? Is it your future, whether you have to stay married? Is it your... You, you, you do need to stay married. <laughs> <laughs> is it, what is it that you're grasping? Is it the acceptance of this person or that person? Is it the knowing the reason for everything? Knowing why this bad thing happened in your life or my life or whoever's life? And out of that obedience is blessing. Baptism is a command of the Lord. Baptism, the second thing I want to talk about is that it does not save you. But it is the first step of obedience for those who choose to obey Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 16 and verses 27 through 34 says, uh, Paul and Silas 
Paul, uh, who had been met on the Damascus Road by Jesus in Acts chapter 9, I believe it was, and was uh, his name was Saul, and he turned into a mighty man of God, the Apostle Paul, preaching the gospel. He had gotten thrown in jail with Silas, a friend of his, because he, Paul, was a man who took the Lordship of Jesus Christ seriously. He said, no more am I going to live for myself. If I'm jailed for it, if I'm free for it, whatever I am, it's yes, 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 Lord. Whatever your pleasure is, because when I find my pleasure in you, Lord, then I will be pleased. They said this here in Acts 16, 27 through 34. They had just been delivered by an earthquake. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then had them brought out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of God. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and the others in his house. At the hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all of his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set before them a meal. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. So as we read here again, he says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Then, after they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, they were baptized. The glory of God. If you have truly accepted what Jesus Christ has done for your sins and what he has done for mine, if we've truly accepted that reality, it is our joy to obey him. Those who truly understand the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, the fact that because of my sin, because of my, uh, my evil part, I deserve death and condemnation, but Jesus on the cross took all the beating, all of the persecution, all of the shame. All of it. He took it on himself for me. He died in my stead. If we understand that, there's no person that has a true understanding of it that says, Jesus, how little can I really obey How much can I get away with? It's that kind of person that says, whatever you say. Whenever, wherever, however, just as long as I'm with you, Jesus. Because you are my own. And that's the way it is. That when we're saved by God through Jesus Christ, Baptism is a natural response. See, Jesus is not just our Lord. He is our husband. He is our friend. He is our king. He is our savior. He is everything good to us. And what he says is a tremendous joy for us to obey. We believe here in the community of faith. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I moved ahead of myself a little bit. It's critical though. I believe that God imparts something to us. But God doesn't just bless rituals, okay? Rituals are okay, something. But God blesses obedience. It's not because you're doing a ritual. It is because you're obeying God through baptism. He lays his blessing upon us. And I do believe, as we'll talk later, it is a symbolic act. But I also believe it's more. It's an obedient act that brings great blessing in our lives. The next point that I want to make here is that baptism is for those who have consciously received Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. 
uh, the Holy Spirit has just come down on the disciples after Jesus has ascended to heaven. They went to Jerusalem. They waited. They were in view of power from on high in Acts chapter 2 at the beginning. And the Spirit of God has come down. And then here's what happens. Paul, pre- I mean, Peter preaches to the crowd. 3,000 were saved. And it says here, those, Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Those who accepted his message were baptized. Those who accepted the message were baptized. Not those who heard the message or those who didn't hear the message. Those who accepted the message were baptized. We believe here absolutely in the power of blessing and, and uh, committing and commissioning our children to the Lord. And we do it. And I've brought each one, I think each one of my three children. <laughs> if Liv, I think we've done Liv. I'm missing it for a minute here. But we've brought each one of them here to bless and dedicate them to the Lord. But we don't believe that act saves them. We believe that each one is to be baptized as a result of their uh, commitment to Jesus Christ themselves. Repent and be baptized. It's the clear thing in Scripture. You know, a couple of years ago, uh, I went to um, celebrate the 20th anniversary of a church in uh, Siberia that we started called Light of the World. Audrey Berry was there at the beginning stages, and she was actually where I'm talking about today. Um, I went to a 20th anniversary, so it's been around 22, 23 years, and I was there just reflecting upon what God had done. And there's one of the things that we did was that we, uh, we uh, went in 1992, as we didn't know what we were doing, a group of us went over to Siberia and began telling people about Jesus and God blessed and uh, that people received Jesus. We took 45 of these Russian believers out between the teenagers to the mid-40s and we took them out to, uh, to uh, a local lake or in a couple of buses we go out and we baptize the first 45 people in this church. And, uh, and uh, they, uh, they surrender their lives to God. And even today, that church is, is living in Christ. And I remember so much uh, that the book of Acts came alive to me that day. I realized that day, this is what Paul was talking about. He was a church planter. He was starting new churches with new people and establishing new works. And there was a group of people that day that chose to say, um, uh, I have consciously received Jesus Christ as my Lord. You see, there was not one of them there. Who had not. Every one of them consciously received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. They knew the next obedient step for them was to be baptized. Were they all perfect? No. Far from it. Were we guaranteed of success in every single life and every single person's decision? No. But we were guaranteed that Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, had said, Baptize and teach to obey everything I've commanded. And I'm with you always. Make disciples, baptize, and teach them to obey. The, last, uh, the next thing I want to say quickly here. Well, baptism represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. It clearly uh, states, Paul states to the Romans here. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead... Through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is not only symbolic, but it is symbolic of what God has done in our lives. 
That's Christ Jesus. Uh, just as Jesus died for our sins, we place our faith in Him. We're raised again in Him. And uh, this is kind of when we get baptized, one of the things we're saying here is that we are leaving our old way of life. We are leaving our self-protecting. Anybody ever been self-protecting? Our self-serving, our self-obsessed life. We say, I'm leaving the self-protecting, self-serving, self-obsessed life. And I'm being raised to new life just as Jesus. And I'm going to live a God, a God-obsessed God-serving, which is actually ultimately resulting in serving people. As we serve people, we serve God. And God-protected life. My life is protected by God. As we are baptized, we show the church and we show the world that uh, we are no longer merely living for me, my, and I. I now belong to one who is the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. What he says goes, his pleasure is my pleasure and my pleasure is his. And uh, we are one in spirit. And that's what it is. Well, anyway, I wanted to give an illustration of this. A number of years ago, while I was living in Waco, Texas, and um, I know we have a few Baylor Bears here that, that could uh, shout out. Anyway, I was in Baylor. I, I was in Waco for about eight years. And uh, when I was there, one year we had this uh, Christmas party. You know? You ever had one of those? Christmas. Or Christmas get together or gathering. So we're sitting there at Christmas gatherings for the young adults in the church. And uh, and I'm sitting there and I'm drinking wassail. People wonder what's wassail. It's some form of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, apple kind of sidewich kind of thing. Anyway, I love wassail, right? I like to sit and drink wassail. I like to sit down and just talk to people. And man, the party was going great. It was going wonderfully. I mean, we were drinking wassail. We were eating little finger cookies or whatever they were. Cookies, fingers, I don't know. We were eating stuff. Come on. It was great. And, and I like the wassail. It tasted pretty good that day. Oh, but then this girl did something unthinkable. Unthinkable. Her name was Tina, and she was one of those Jesus freaks. You know who they are? They're the ones that love Jesus a little bit more than anybody else around in your life. <laughs> I don't like the enthusiasm. But anyway, Tina stands up. She has the gall to say this. Hey guys, you know, I'm just a, a, a party with Christians. Hey guys, a few doors down, there's a keg party going on. They don't know the Lord, probably most of them. Let's go down there and tell them about Jesus. And in my heart, I'm like, you wouldn't. <laughs> I know you're more spiritual than I am, but I was like, that is vile and evil that you would serve my comfortable time at this nice little Christian gathering. <laughs> Outside, though, I'm leaving, right? Yeah! <laughs> I'm processing with the Lord, repenting, you know, as all those thoughts are coming. Um, but she had pushed my button. She wanted to be obedient. That was one thing about this girl, Tina. She wanted to be obedient. Any whiff of what God was saying. If God's in it in any way, shape, or form, I'm in it. Let's do it. Amazing. Well, anyway, she, so I'm like, yeah. God says, okay, you're not the woman, you're not the woman, it's challenging. And I said, yeah, we should do it, I'll go. And then a few of us gather around, and so we're walking, you know, we're walking down the road toward the house, and I'm thinking, yeah, God, I just want to go to bed, but okay, let's, uh, let's do it. So, so we get down there, and it's not really an easy way to start a conversation with the party, you know, it's kind of okay. 
Well, what do we do? You know? Okay, Jeff, you knock. Okay. So we knock on the door, you know. You know, and the door flings wide. It's a party! You know, the keg and the beer and the whatever else everywhere. And people are going for it. And so we're like, okay, it's loud. So, you know, what do you do? Excuse me. You know, you just step up. Could we have your attention, please? You know, we're in Boston. It's a couple houses down. We love the Lord. And, uh, excuse me, we just felt that we wanted to come tell you about Jesus. That Jesus loves you. You know, you're like, what? Words? I ain't gonna Which is the truth, but your spirit is warring. And all of a sudden, the whole atmosphere of the party changed. You're like, come on in! You know, come on in! And so, real quick, everybody was just kind of in these different little pockets, and people were talking about Jesus. And we were over there, and I began talking to this young man. He was probably 19, 18, I don't remember how old. And I'm thinking it's strange because I kind of recognize him. I think he's saying, and I figure out, so what's your name? And he said, Kyle. I said, Kyle, I had you in my class. I mean, I had you, uh, you were one of the youth that I used to disciple years ago in the high school group. And what's going on? He opened his heart up and he said, I have been away from the Lord. I have been a mess. Started explaining about that. And I started sharing with him about the Lord. And then a couple of guys uh, from our church got connected with him and began to spend time regularly with him. And he surrendered his life to the Lord. And he got baptized. And the interesting thing was his father ended up, he was a pastor in another church in the city. And he got baptized at our church uh, on a Sunday, and uh, his father was in the back of the church as, as his father. His father, as he went baptized, Kyle went down into the water, buried with Jesus in baptism, raised to walk a new life. His father stands up and goes, My son was dead, but now he's alive! That's what baptism is. We were dead in our sins. We were dead in our trespasses. We were dead. To be able to do anything with God. Now we're alive. How do we believe God wants us to turn into a life of In Him, a life of abundance. Not an easy life. Don't get it wrong. Jesus didn't say, take up your marshmallow and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? The way of Jesus, the way of the cross, is not a cross, is not a life of peace. It's a life of suffering. It's a life of pain at times. I know, but the way without Jesus is a life of suffering, a life of pain, without any understanding, without any life. There will be suffering. There will be pain. There will be times you say, why, God? There will be times you don't know, but the, the good news is, as it says clearly in the book of Corinthians, it says, death is at work in us, so that life is at work in others. My trials mean something to God. I'm dead, buried, resurrected Him through baptism, but my trials mean something. When I go through a trial, 
And as I embrace Jesus and say, I don't understand, it looks like you're cruel, God, but I bless you. And as Job said, though you slay me, I will praise you. If you do that, guess what? Other people begin to find the life of Jesus in that very place of their surrender to God. Jesus suffered, died, was buried, and raised again for our tomb. Not one of us adds to the payment for sins, but our suffering and our choosing to live a dead, buried, and resurrected life in Jesus means life for other people. Jesus is not living on this earth anymore apart from through you and me, his people, and through his spirit, he is here. And as we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. And we will have joy. I can guarantee you this, I'd rather live an abundant life than an easy life. Stand up. <laughs> I have a couple questions as we close. Questions I have today for you is have you actually received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? Or are you still trying to solve the sin issue in your life by yourself? Are you still trying to figure and work uh, to figure out being better, being good enough, not doing something so stupid, just being a good person? Are you, or have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Only Jesus, who hung on a tree naked for your sins and mine, can deal with the sin issue in your life and the sin issue in my life. But oh, He deals with it with great joy. It wasn't men or even nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was love. It was his love for you and me. Second question I have is, is Jesus the Lord of your life today? Maybe you've received Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. What he says, though, goes without question. That's what it means to be Lord. Or are you still considering his commands as suggestions to you? That's a good idea for those people, for those really special Christians. Or are you realizing that whoever he is the Lord of, he is the Lord of all in your life and in mine. And the last question is, have you been baptized since you believed in Jesus? And if not, why not now? Why not next week? Why not do it and let us all see the death, burial, and resurrection in God? John, you can come. Dan, however we want to wrap this up. Mark, John. Mm -hmm.